there are seven things that if you focus on right now, will allow you to beat 99% of the investors when it comes to real estate here in Australia. So in this video, I'm gonna go through these concepts. I'm gonna demystify them. I'm not sure if that's the word, but I'm gonna make the complex shit sound real simple so you can take advantage of this right now. If you're interested in what my thoughts are, definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name's Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now, being completely transparent, I'm a buyer's agent. So I will go out there, I will look at hundreds of properties with my team of 15 and we'll go out and buy properties for clients. That is a full disclosure that yes, I'm coming out here sharing education with you for the last couple of years, but I'm also a buyer's agent. So if you need the help, then we can definitely help you. If you wanna use these concepts in your own life and your own investing, then you're most welcome to do so. We have over 60,000 subscribers on the channel. Not everyone is a client. So with that, let's continue. Oh, and by the way, I'll leave a link in the description below if you're interested in booking a free call with our team. Now, first up is LMI, which is Lenders Mortgage Insurance. Why do we need it? What's it for? And why are people so scared of it? So let's simplify this. When you're going out and purchasing a property, the bank will require you to have a 20% deposit. And that's what gets quoted in these media articles. They come out and say, oh, it's so unaffordable to buy a house. You've got to save for like 13 years to be able to get a deposit. And in 13 years, the property's probably doubled. So you're never gonna buy a house. And that's so far from the truth because what you're really looking at is a system that nobody's really using. You can go out there and buy property with less than a 20% deposit. The only thing is that you incur something which is called LMI, Lenders Mortgage Insurance. And the way you've got to look at this is the bank is happy taking on the risk of saying, I'll give you 80% to buy this house, but you've got to give me 20%. And when you can't come up with the 20%, they're saying, well, it's too much of a risk for us. So you're going to have to go and pay a premium to get Lenders Mortgage Insurance from one of these companies that offers the service. Then we'll be ready to give you the loan. And so in the bank's eyes, they're backed up basically 20% because they know they're backed by the insurance. So if you default or something goes wrong, you have that in place. Now, why would you go in with a 10% deposit when you can go in with a 20% deposit and not have to pay LMI? The reason being is that if you have to save an extra 10%, the question you've got for yourself is how long is that gonna take? So on a million dollar house, you would need 10% being 100K, 20% would be 200K. How long does it take you to save 100K? Now, if you go out and say, okay, everything's amazing, you get a bonus and things like that, and everything works in your favor, you're probably still having to wait 12 months. Now in 12 months, if that one property, which is a million dollars, goes up by 5%, it's gone up by $50,000 extra. So not only is the price higher upfront, but then the ongoing repayments will be higher for the life of the loan. And that's why getting into the market sooner rather than later is something I advise people to do if they're taking this stuff seriously. If you're not taking this stuff seriously, you can wait for the next 12, 18, 24 months and just chill. Be like, I'll buy property at some point. Then it's fine. But if you're taking this seriously, you can't lie to yourself. You need more time in the market. It's not about timing the market, it's time in the market. You've heard this a million times, but unless you're executing on that, it means jack shit. By having the 10% allowing me to go into another property, it also means that I can leverage that and buy more properties. Because if I've got 20% and I put it into one property, well, I only own a $1 million house. But if I go and use that and split it into two, then I've got one $1 million house, which I put 100K towards, and then I've got another 100K towards another million dollar property. Now I own $2 million. 
If that grows at 5%, well, that's 100K growth versus the 50K growth. And every year that's gonna compound and make a huge difference. It's very similar to that ad you would have watched a few years ago where there's like, hey, my super doesn't pay any fees. And yes, mine pays the fees. And then one person goes up the escalators and then one person just goes down. That's pretty much what my example was. Now, those are the pros of LMI. And as far as I can remember, I've purchased pretty much every property using less than a 20% deposit. And that's allowed me to compound my growth and move very fast. Now, the big con to this is that you can fall into negative equity territory. If you buy well, then you shouldn't have a problem with this. But if you buy something that really doesn't make any sense and you make a mistake with this, which is why I advocate to go and get the team. But if you make a mistake with it and you say happen to buy a property, say worth a million dollars, but instead the market goes the other way and now it's worth 900K, well, your loan would be for 900K. And now the property is also worth 900K. This is where you're at a 100% LVR, loan to value ratio. This is not a good place to be because if you have to sell, you probably after costs will still be in the negative owing some money there. It could even get worse because if you had a 15% drop or you purchase something over market value, then your loan could be 900K, but your value could be like 850. Now, even if you did sell, you'd still have some leftover in terms of debt. This is not a good position to be in. And that's why some people like to have a buffer of putting a 20% deposit in. One of the most frequently asked questions is interest only or principal and interest. Now, unless you have a credit license, you really can't be talking about this. So I'm not gonna give you specific advice, but I want you to think about this. If you're going out there and you're in debt accumulation mode, which is wealth accumulation mode, because you're using debt to accumulate more wealth, then why are you on one hand taking on debt, but then trying to pay off the debt? doesn't really make sense. And I use this example in strategy sessions like a few years ago, where I said, if you and I got into a race and we decided to run hundred meters and I have no idea how fast you are, firstly, because I can't see who you are, but also I'm not that fast at running. And we were to run hundred meters, who would win? Well, we need more information, right? But if I was to say, I'm gonna run this race as per normal. However, you have to run it blindfolded while drinking water. Now the likelihood of me beating you is gonna be significantly high in that second option. And the reason is because you have a bunch of obstacles that you now have to overcome just to beat me in this race. And that's exactly how it works with real estate investing when you're trying to do multiple things at once. Some people will go out there and say, oh, I'm going out and buying a house and land and I'm developing and then I'm going out and renovating and I'm also buying and holding. Like that's a bunch of stuff that's happening on top of your actual life. Instead, I would go, well, let me focus on one aspect of my portfolio, which is buy and hold, build the foundation, and then I can go into acceleration mode, which is I can go and develop, knock down, rebuild, and things like that. So if you're focused on just foundational, buy and hold, set, forget type properties, then you could do that faster. And what you could do is if you go interest only, that means all you're doing is reducing your cost of holding that property, because the goal is to hold as long as possible. With interest only, your repayments are significantly lower, which means less comes out of your pocket every single week. That could be the difference between you holding one property at interest plus principal versus holding two properties at interest only. And the goal here is accumulation. You're going out there accumulating property and how do you accumulate property? Well, you use debt and that's why you're increasing the level of debt you have. When you go interest plus principal, what you're effectively doing is saying, I'm gonna take on more debt, but I'm also gonna pay off a little bit. I'm gonna take on more debt and then I'm gonna pay off a little bit. And then suddenly you find yourself going, hey, interest rates went up, my repayments went up, I can't afford to make interest plus principal repayments. And if you have multiple properties, you're going, I have to sell one. And that is going against the rules of trying to accumulate wealth during these periods of time. 
Hopefully that all makes sense. Join the dots for yourself because I can't actually tell you what to do. Next up is using equity from one property to purchase multiple properties. So if you wanna scale up your property portfolio, you can save this deposit that takes you some time, couple of years, and then do it all again a couple of years later, but all that property has all gone up in value. What you're trying to do is go accumulate my assets as soon as possible, then hold them for as long as possible. It's a very simple game when it comes to the strategy, but very hard to execute. So when you're looking at this and saying, how do I extract equity? What is equity? How does it all work? I'm not even gonna talk about it in this video because I just made a whiteboard finance video about this topic. Definitely go check out this video. It's gonna make so much sense because I actually break it all down in a whiteboard and you'll love it. Positive gearing versus negative gearing. At the moment, there's a lot of news around, hey, negative gearing is gonna get abolished. And I'm sure at this point, negative gearing is supposed to have been scrapped like 10 times already over the last 10 years. It's something that's an ongoing conversation. Now, will they actually do it? I don't know. But you can't be relying on politicians to dictate what your strategy looks like. If there is a higher chance that it actually happens or that it's coming, you can then adapt your portfolio and there's gonna be changes that occur as a result of that. You're gonna have so many people just let go of their properties and then you'd have the investor market basically die and you'd have rents absolutely take off because now there's no properties out there that are owned by landlords that can have tenants in there. You can see how this can unravel very quickly and there's cause and effect for everything. You can't just go in there and say, we're gonna do this now and then it screws up the entire market. A very similar example of this was when we had some politicians coming out and saying, well, Queensland's gonna have different land tax rules and it's gonna be super wild. And there were people literally selling their property on this rumor. They went out there and said, that's what's gonna happen. Okay, I need to sell. And I remember as part of the buyer's agency, we picked up a couple of beauties. A couple of properties we picked up and like two to three months later, they said, no, nah, we're not gonna do it. And unfortunately people acted too irrationally despite real estate being really slow moving. So you can see how there's a cause and effect and you can go and assess these things, but put yourself in a good position by having the right strategy, having an emergency fund and doing the right thing from the beginning. Now, that's on the negative gearing side. Effectively, what it means is that by holding this property, more money is being taken out of my pocket than being put back in. And you sort of go, well, that doesn't really make sense. Why would I go and buy another property only for it to take more money from my pocket? Well, it's in the hope that the capital growth occurs. And you go, well, if it's gonna grow, then it's okay, it's worth it, right? I can pay $5,000 a year from my pocket and then if it grows by 50K, well, I made 10X my money. So that's pretty good. But the best place you wanna be is positively geared, which is where the property is giving you more money. Now, given interest rates are high at the moment, this is actually a really good thing for people wanting to invest. Why, you may ask, is because most people are looking at this and saying, oh, well, currently it's negatively geared. I don't wanna be involved. It's negative cash flow. I hate that shit. I'm not doing it. So what they do is they wait until it becomes positive cash flow. And in some cases, because interest rates have moved so quickly in one direction, they're most likely gonna stabilize in the other direction. Of course, not by as much, but they will come back. And what happens is because we have a shortage of good rental stock in the Australian market, you will see rents start growing and they continue to grow over the next two to three years. So what you'll see is the interest rate and the repayments really drop and the rents start going up. So the same property you buy today, which could be slightly negative or neutral, will become positive in 12 to 18 months. 
So then you might go, well, I'll just wait 12 to 18 months. That's genius. Well, it's not because at that point, everyone else is thinking the same thing. And what happens is people then dive into that market. So much demand comes in that price of the property increases and you might find yourself being neutral again, or even worse, you have to purchase a property that is negatively geared, which could once have been positive. Plus you would have made all the gains by being in the market as well. We went around in circles, but got there eventually. Another key concept to understand is what asset should I buy? Units versus houses. What's gonna grow better than the other? Now, depending who you ask on what day of the week, they're gonna tell you a different answer. Mine is very simple. It doesn't matter what the asset is, as long as the asset is in demand and is unique. At the end of the day, you could go out and buy a house in the middle of Australia, but nobody wants to live there. Equally, you could have a unit that sits right at the waterfront and it looks beautiful and it's super unique. So then technically that unit will outperform the house. And you can see how this occurs in different markets all the time. If you then go, well, okay, Ravi said that, okay, units are better than houses, let me go buy one. Well, then you'll be mistaken if you buy a unit in an area where there's so much planning of new supply coming into the market. If you go ahead and you buy in an area where suddenly there's like five other towers that pop up, there's hundreds of units that can come on to the market. And I suspect this is gonna happen and cause a massive decline in unit prices around that 2026, 2027 mark. Because we know planning is starting to change in New South Wales. So a lot of these units that are getting sold off the plan and sold as the next best thing here in New South Wales at least, are pretty much gonna struggle once all that supply comes into the market because the demand simply won't be there to pick them all up. Now, if you look at long-term averages and you see averages across all of Australia, houses do outperform units. But I wanna get away from that. The whole idea here is to purchase the right asset in the right market for the right demographic. Some people just don't want houses and some people just wanna live close to the city so they wanna get a unit just so they can be close to amenities. So it's something that you need to assess market by market. And for me personally, I've got units, I've got townhouses and I've got houses in my portfolio. A couple more concepts here, but if you have enjoyed this video so far, I put a lot of effort into this guys. So smash that like button, it's free and you can subscribe as well because videos like this come out twice a week, every single week. Now, Ravi, why would I need a buyer's agent when I can use a real estate agent? They help me as well. Well, no, they don't because you're not paying them. The reality is a real estate agent is a sales agent. They're selling the property. And who do they get paid by is a really good indicator of where their intentions lie or guess what goal they are trying to achieve. Now, if you go out there as a buyer and say, well, I'm speaking to someone at Ray White or I'm going and speaking to someone from Bell Property and they're helping me. Well, how are they helping you? Well, they found this property. Okay, great. So they found a property that they're selling because they're getting paid commission on that sale and the commission is determined by how high the price will be of the property. Now you're like, ah, oh, shit, I shouldn't have believed that sales agent. And that's the truth because buyers agents here in Australia is a relatively new concept. It's going out there and saying, well, not everyone one knows how to buy property themselves or invest property and have the time to invest themselves, but also they don't actually know or have the knowledge and have no intentions to learn it. You remember in school when you got taught like English, math, science, I was terrible at science. Should I have learned it? Probably. But I really don't care what a Bunsen burner does because I knew my goals don't align with me learning what a Bunsen burner does. Instead, later on in the years, I liked subjects like commerce and then did business studies and economics because that's the stuff I liked. And I knew that I could use this to my advantage later. It's similar to now where everyone thinks that, hey, just learn how to buy real estate, you'll be really wealthy. Yeah, you could, but I could also go online and learn about how digital marketing works and how to create a website. And by that accord, everyone should have side hustles and have businesses that are making multi-million dollars. You're starting to get my point here. 
is that's why buyers agents really were created and now they've absolutely taken off and there's a lot of demand as well as supply for that role itself. So just be wary that when you're going out there and you're buying a property, a real estate sales agent is not the same as a buyer's agent. If you need to go out there and scale up your portfolio faster, use the link in the description below. I hope you get started and then scale up to five, 10, 15 properties, whatever you guys like. And you do that with the right strategy as well as buying the right properties in the right markets. And finally, buying or renting. If you're new here and haven't seen any of my videos, I like rent vesting, which is a new concept you just got introduced to, which is where I can rent where I live and invest where the numbers make sense. Now, logically, if I say that to you, you're like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense continue Ravi. Well, it essentially means that I could use data and I could use research to go, hey, in this suburb, in this part of Australia, we have a severe shortage. We have new demand going in, all of this infrastructure spending. That means there's not enough houses being built or have been built for the amount of people that want to live there. So I could go and buy a house, which one would be a cheaper option, two would be more positive cash flow or at least neutral, and three will be a better performing asset, me putting my money in there versus simply buying some unit in Sydney because I thought, hey, well, I don't wanna pay rent. Now, what happens is despite me paying rent and let's call it $30,000 to $50,000 a year in rent, I've now invested my large chunk of capital towards another investment. That investment outperforms what I'm paying towards my rent. And what happens is sometimes you get told, well, you're paying someone else's mortgage. Yes, I am, but so is someone else. And someone else is paying my mortgage and then I've got multiple properties, so they're all paying my mortgages. And at the end of the day, that concept is so flawed, especially now when you get told by someone who did this 20 years ago when houses were like $3 in Sydney. It doesn't make sense now to just apply the same rules as you continue life because technology changes, numbers change, and men and women lie, but data does not lie. Yeah, you like that one. So if it is rent vesting, that is your option. And I believe personally, it is the best way to grow wealth, especially if you're young, in your 20s and 30s, this is exactly what you should be doing. Why? Because you don't have to compromise on where you live, so you get to enjoy your 20s and 30s, your only young ones. Two, you get to travel, so there's no real commitment around, hey, I'll get to stay here six months or 12 months, I'll move. I'm not tied down by this one place. And three, in your 20s and 30s, I see this all the time. People go out, take up a loan that they can't really afford, they then compromise on all aspects of life, and then you go see them at a party and you're like, bro, what's up? And they're like, not much, okay. Cool story. But these are the concepts that I think if you can get your head around, you're starting to outperform most of the market because most people are struggling with this sort of thing. They get to like, oh, I wanna buy a unit, but should I buy a house? Oh, but what's LMI? And then do I need a buyer's agent? Like all of these concepts stop so many people from moving forward. If you're out there executing, this is really gonna accelerate your portfolio and financial freedom dream. If you know someone that's close to you, siblings, partner or whatever else, then definitely just share this video with them because I think it makes so much sense to be thinking about this practically so you can make your next move faster. I hope you guys have enjoyed this video. If you have, smash that subscribe button, like it if you haven't already, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.